to I'd Rather Stay In, the podcast that will not contribute to negative cycles. We hope not. We hope not. That's the best I got today. Uh, <laughs> I'm Steffi. I'm Megan. <laughs> Megan, how's it going tonight? Um, good, good. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like my allergies are driving me crazy. Yes. I don't know if it's allergies. I don't know if it's a cold. I don't know what, I don't, you know, wh- who, what, what is it? Who knows? I, I don't know. I don't. Yesterday, I think today it feels like allergies. Yesterday, I just kind of wanted to cry all day, mm. which is like not tied into any of my like cycle things. So I was really confused. I'm just like, maybe out of the I blue. am sick. I don't know what's going on. I know. I felt very like stuffy. I feel like I'm over here sniffing. Like, guys, it's just cold. I'm not on anything. I'm just sniffing, okay? (laughs) Uh, It's fine. Yeah. So it's, uh, I know. And usually we don't have to, usually we don't have this nonsense until it's like April. And it's only February. Yeah. We're in for it. We're in for it. And then, and then I had a, I had a, a Coke this afternoon because I was so tired from whatever this is, and I was like, I uh-huh. have to wake myself up. No, you're wired, but, aren't you? No, I'm not. I keep hiccuping. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing great. It's fine. <laughs> you are you are killing it. You're doing awesome. It's, it's fine. My eyes are, like, really puffy and watery, and I'm just hiccuping <laughs> all. It's great. And this is why we don't have, we don't record video with our yes. podcasts, because... <laughs> because of that just image that Megan just gave everyone. It's fine. I do have makeup on. Maybe it would be fine. Who knows? Oh, it could be. Who knows? I don't. So, you know, that's typical. Uh, even though we went and had a, uh, encountered a very lovely little girl at Sephora. Little girl. I sound like my mother. Uh, Gen Zer at Sephora who helped me with my makeup this She weekend. was a full adult. Let's just be clear. She was a full she was, adult. She was 21. She was yes. 21. She was a full adult. But also, she was adorable, and she was so helpful. And I was like, look, I'm an old now, and I need you to help me. What am I supposed to do with my face? And she was like, I got you. And she <laughs> was so wonderful and she helped Megan and uh, Emma she was a deer she was a deer anyway that's all I got about that speaking of generations Megan uh I want you to talk to me about uh generational cycles and breaking generational cycles what do you think of when you hear that phrase uh I mean in the past year or so it has definitely been Encanto (laughs) that's a good one first thing that like pops right into your head I think Um, But it is definitely something that has been talked about a lot more lately, whether that is partially because of Encanto or partially because of, you know, Gen Z and their changing ways. Um, But I think it's it's something that we definitely should be talking about, talking about the ways that our parents and grandparents were raised and how they were raised affected us and Mm -hmm. how we can move forward from that yeah yeah one of the so one of the people that I think of first when I I think of this topic is my friend uh, and I've come to know her through the adoption community Uh, Tina Bauer she is actually here with us today to talk about how she is actively working to break generational cycles Uh, she is an adoptee and a former former foster youth, so she has a lot to say on this topic. So, welcome, Tina. 
Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, this is a topic that I haven't really talked about a lot specifically, so I'm excited. Tina, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Tina, and like Steffi said, I was adopted and I was in foster care. I am coming live from Texas, so very different than where you all are. <laughs> um, and um, I grew up as a pastor's kid. I was homeschooled. And then I got married and I have a baby and a house and I'm a teacher. And you have a very cute dog. Yes, I have a very cute dog. She's got a golden retriever. Her fabric is very cute. I just needed to needed to speak up for the dog here. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, uh, Tina, can you kind of give some background with us to help our listeners understand why I wanted you to come on and talk to us about breaking generational cycles and why this is something that's really important to you? I would consider myself having been born into foster care. I entered foster care when I was only a few months old. And the family that I was born into was in the business of exploiting their own. And if you know what I mean, you know what I mean. And that really set a foundation for my drive to not repeat what had happened to me with my future family or just in my own life. Um, another thing that really fuels my drive to break generational cycles is um, knowing that my son will be the first in more than three generations to not enter foster care and that I'm the first in several generations to mother my own child and so I think with those huge firsts and just knowing where I came from really just has um, like just pushed me to to be where I am and to not do what was done to me to those who come after me and I think that's super common with people who've experienced things that I have um so yeah so when you and your husband started talking about growing your own family what were some of the considerations that you discussed when it came to having kids given that family history yeah, it's actually interesting because when I was growing up and a teenager, I was very adamant that I would not have children. It was not something I wanted to do. I was terrified of childbirth, all the things, um, especially after learning how I was conceived and just everything around that. It just wasn't something that I wanted to do. Um, and so when my husband and I got married, um, you know, even before that, I was like, look, I might not want kids and you're just going to have to deal with that. <laughs> and he was yeah. fine with that, um, as I think any spouse should be. <laughs> um, and so, and some of that was, you know, fear of the physical side, but some of it was just, you know, the history. You know, I knew that my kids would have to carry forward the family history in biology, if not anything else. I knew that um, there would have to be a significant amount of healing and work that goes into raising a child. And I know that that's standard for anyone off the street. But I think considering my story, it felt extra heavy for me. 
um, and working to raise a child in the ways that I was not is very much, I was very fearful of the unknown because how was I supposed to give a child what I never had? I don't know how to do that. Um, and then I was also concerned about what would the relationship look like between my birth family and any potential kids. I mean, just so many questions. Yeah. And I think all of those are super fair questions to have, especially, you know, pointing out that, you know, thinking about, uh, that there's a lot of aspects to having a child that you had to think about that a lot of people might not think twice about. Um, I think that that's a really good, a really good point and something for people to consider. I think, you know, we talk about how there are all different kinds of privileges and it's a privilege to not have to think about some of those things that you had to really think about. Um, you know, and, and I think, um, when, and I, I know that this is true for me that I used to think about, you know, okay, breaking generational cycles as like preventing certain cycles from continuing on with our children. But, uh, really I've come to realize now so often it actually requires like stopping those cycles with ourselves, which means that we have to do a whole lot of work in ourselves. Um, so, can you talk about what are some things that you've been doing for and with yourself to ensure that your son grows up with different experiences than you did? That's really interesting that you say that because I think another big fear that I've always had is that I would end up just like my birth mom. And it's not like, you know, oh, I would never want to be her. It's, oh, I would never want to end up in in the situation that she was in you know her as a person I fully believe if she didn't experience all that horrific trauma would probably be pretty similar to me you know um and so I think like keeping that in mind um I've you know I've just you know I've had to learn that I have to be you know gentle with myself um I have to be aware, like I have to be aware of like, what are my weaknesses? What are my struggles? What are my triggers? How am I responding? You know, am I going to go to therapy? Am I going to be on medication? Like, just, am I going to be honest with my spouse? Like just things like that. Um, And I think that's really made a big difference. And I think, you know, I was even thinking about this today, you know, that and I hope that will make a difference in how I parent my son. And it's, I mean, it's something that my birth mom didn't do, but it's also something that my birth mom didn't have the capacity or resources to do. So I think it's like what you were saying, Steffi, like it's another aspect of privilege, you know, mm-hmm. I'm already, you know, miles ahead of her in the aspect of you know, I was literally taken out of that cycle. Mm-hmm. I was adopted. Is that how I wanted to exit that cycle? No, not really. But it put a full stop, you know? And so I think that gives me this extra amount of privilege in not living in, you know, hell like chaos to be able to focus on those things. Because if your life is, like hers was thinking about those things as the last thing on your mind. Um, 
And so I think that's a really, it's a really important perspective for me to keep because it allows me to be gracious with myself and be gracious with her and the things that she did because she was just a kid. Yeah. I, uh, I choke with my therapist because, you know, I've considered to be winning therapy if I can make my therapist laugh. Uh, but I joke with my therapist and then also uh, with my husband a lot about like, I was like, well, we have to do, we have to do our own work so that we can give our daughter new and creative things to talk about in therapy instead of the same old things that we've been needing to talk about for generations. So like, I think a lot of that, like we have to do the work for ourselves. Cause I mean, let's be honest, our kids are probably going to still need therapy and they're probably still going to talk about us, but maybe they can talk about some new topics. Let's give them something different to discuss. Anyone who is parenting with a partner, obviously you have to keep in mind that the two of you or three or four, however many people are in the parenting equation in anyone's household, um, they all have different backgrounds and they, those, your partners might be looking to break different cycles than you are. But in terms of what you are doing with your husband, how do the two of you check in to make sure you're supporting each other as you parent your son together? I think what we try to do is we try to be intentional about talking about our days and the baby's day. That makes sense. You know, Mm -hmm. I'll share like, you know, when he was crying, I did this and this is how it went. What do you think? What would you do? And just things like that. And I think naturally in talking about those aspects of parenting, our individual desires to do or not do certain things just come out, you know, um, I would say he definitely has his own, you know, cycles that he's trying to break. And he was really even working on those before we had a kid. And mm-hmm. so, um, and I think it was hard for him. And, you know, I think others who've experienced things like I have would know this similar struggle with their spouse is it, it was, it's easy for him to feel like his cycles are um, not as significant mm. and they're minor and you know I of course have an outside perspective to his life and he to me and I think you know I I do have to reassure him that he is making progress and the things he is doing are important and things like that but it's just so different than what I've experienced so that's that's another conversation that we have a lot and I'm sure you know other people with similar experiences would say the same. It's easy for people who haven't lived what you've lived to look at your life and be like, oh, my life is nothing compared to yours. So many people have told me that. And I'm like, it's just different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We all have stuff we need to work through and there's no, it's not a competition. It's not a trauma competition. It's not the, not the trauma Olympics as I see (laughs) on TikTok a lot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so that's a, that's a really good reminder. Uh, you are, you know, five months or so into uh, parenting your son. Uh, what has been the most unexpected thing about parenting for you so far, Tina? Um, I think the most 
an unexpected thing to me is how attached I am to him. Um, I've never known an attachment like this, not with my mom, not with my husband or anyone else, except for maybe my brother. Um, and I think that's huge for me, you know, because I don't like, I mean, it goes back to like, you know, chatting with my husband about our backgrounds. You know, I asked him, so what's it like, you know, growing up with your mom? And he's like, well, I've always known that she was there. Like he doesn't have a definite moment of like, his mom being like, hi, I'm your mom. You're my son, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, just knowing that relationship with my son now, I'm like, oh, so this is how it's supposed to be. You know, yeah. this is not something. Have you, I- have you experienced some real moments of like reparenting your baby self in that? Um, yes, definitely. I actually made a list. <laughs> Let me find it. I um, love a list. Tina's an Enneagram one. We love a list. <laughs> love a list. My whole life is list. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, and I've actually shared about some of these on my personal Instagram. Um, just because I was like, you know, I think this might encourage some foster adoptive parents just because I know that they're in the trenches now doing this work every single day. And they're like, there's no way out. And I just like to be a reminder that there is a way out and, (laughs) you know, what you're doing now matters. Um, And so some of the the ways that I've seen, you know, what I'm doing with my son and then I'm like, oh, this is like, this is new for me. Um, And so one thing that I've been doing with him is, you know, creating um, healthy early memories for my son instead of the violent traumatic ones that I have. Um, and teaching him about his background and how to care for himself um, when I was not taught those things and forming healthy attachments with him instead of completely ignoring him and providing proper nutrition with him for him instead of letting him be malnourished. And I think the biggest one is just letting him be a baby, just letting him be, like just letting him lay on his back and eat his toes like just (laughs) just letting him be you know not you know I don't know it's like it sounds so simple but it's just not and I remember one time when um I was first married we were in the kitchen and I was trying to help my husband with dinner but I'm not a cook at all (laughs) and I don't remember what I was trying to cook exactly, but I somehow said to him, I was like, I think I accidentally like burned my finger or something. And I was like, oh, it really hurts. And I was like, oh, I feel like such a baby. Like, you know, this shouldn't be such a big deal. And I was like, but I want to be the baby. Like I never got to be the baby. Mm. And my husband just stopped and he looked at me and he was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Like, he never thought of it that way. And it's just yeah. something I didn't get to do. I didn't get to be the baby. You know, I got to be the baby that was found at shelters on the side of the road and who the police didn't know who I belonged to. Like that's that's what my babyhood was like. And, you know, so I think just seeing my son have that freedom and being able to facilitate that for him is huge. Yeah. 
Yeah, you are a hundred percent setting a different course for him than what you had. And again, reparenting yourself along the way, which I think is an important thing that a lot of people forget about. I have a question that we did not prepare you for. And if, if you think it's too uncomfortable, you absolutely do not have to answer it. That's totally fine. But I am curious with um, some of these things that are on your list that you are doing with your son, if you have found any of them to be extremely difficult for you in any fashion. And if, if so, um, what kind of methods are you using to um, be able to work through that? It's so interesting that you would ask me that because literally, I think last time I saw my therapist, she was like, you know, your baby's triggering you, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I think as, you know, amazing and needed and heavy and healing and holy this work is Mm -hmm. it is so triggering like it's I don't know like I it's really hard not to let that fear of like well I didn't have this done to me so how am I supposed to do it for him and you know if I let him you know cry too long because I'm going to the bathroom like will he stop crying and never cry again because that's what happened to me you know will he think he's all alone you know it's a it's a nice mixture of like postpartum depression and trauma mm-hmm. it's not a fun combo <laughs> what um, a lovely potpourri in, uh, in your brain <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I think as far as like what am I doing um you know, I think I'm just trying to be honest with my therapist and my psychiatrist about how I'm feeling. And um, and I'm trying to also get specialized care, which is mm-hmm. not as easy as you would. I mean, it's not easy. Like it's physically not easy <laughs> um, because of what I need is so specialized. And um, I'm trying to adjust my medications too, because- my life has just been crazy town on top of all this. So, but yeah, I think also just writing, I'm a writer, uh, you know, just writing and like texting people and just trying to work through these things. Um, and just, you know, talking to my husband about them, he may not understand, but he can listen and that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. So remind such a reminder to take care of yourself and advocating for yourself is hard to get the things that you need. So proud of you for doing that. Um, do you have some favorite resources, whether you know they're books or podcasts or accounts you follow or whatever, um, for learning more on breaking generational cycles and or raising the next generation? Yeah. So, um, one of my favorite books right now is what happened to you. Um, I don't know if y'all read that, but I really, I really love it. It's by Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah. And I love it on audible because they read it. And so it's like voices 
And I really love the scientific part that Dr. Perry brings. And I really love the experience and conversation that Oprah, Oprah brings. Um, and that book, it's, it's felt a lot more accessible to me than The Body Keeps Score. Um, I haven't made it very far in The Body Keeps Score. <laughs> that was a heavy one. <laughs> yeah, it's just really heavy, but I really like um, what happened to you because it's very um it's like science experience science experience and mm-hmm. I, I don't know I just like it better so I really like that one I really like the book um emotional poverty um it's it's a really short book I don't honestly remember how I happened upon it I want to say that it was in college when I became a teacher um, because a lot of this, you know, mental health education, breaking generational cycles, crosses over into education and just child development and all the things. Um, but I really like that book. It's a super easy read, but it really just talks about, you know, how different, how people's brains work differently and how that affects education and society and things like that. And I just really like it. Um, and as far as like accounts, um, the one that I've really been enjoying is Our Mama Village. I don't know if you've seen her, but she just shares a lot about like parenting and like, like trauma-informed parenting and just, you know, I don't know, just things that really like resonate with me. And I'm really enjoying that because it's like, oh, wow, yeah. It, like I read her stuff and it's like, oh, that's like something I would have written. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty cool. I really, I really like that too. Awesome. And we'll be sure to link to those in the show description so you guys can check those out. What advice would you give to someone who is unsure if they want to have kids because of their own trauma and family background? I think I would tell them to just take it one day at a time you don't have to have it all mapped out which Enneagram ones are like yes you do Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but you don't um and I think also just having the resolve to you will you will make mistakes um but you will also you also find yourself apologizing and that's super healing too um and so I think you know, just reminding yourself every day, I'm a human being and life is hard and I'm going to do my best and apologize for those mistakes. And I say that because I, I remember after I was first adopted, um, my mom, she was really struggling. She's just, she had a lifelong struggle with anger and she was really trying to work on it, knowing that we were coming to be a part of their family because she knew we had a background of being abused and, you know, she was just trying to work on herself. I remember one time she got really upset about something that wasn't us, but she took it out on us. And she immediately was like, just started like apologizing to us. She was like, I am so sorry. Like, it's not you. It was this. And it really, after that, she really made like a 180 very much like you know, worked hard to work through those things. But I think it's so powerful to apologize to kids as an adult. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's not to say like, you know, you're going to hurt your kid and then apologize immediately. Like, no, that's toxic. Um, <laughs> you know, you're going to lead by example in, you know, actually making a change. Um, but I think, you know, just, just giving yourself grace to be a human being and life is hard. And yeah, I think that's, that's huge. And I think if you're someone who's, you know, had, you know, a broken family growing up, it's really hard to give yourself that grace. Yeah. And I think it's important for those kids that see that you're working on it, that you're, that you're trying to do better by them. Um, whether they know, you know, what your specific traumas are or not, I think that they, I mean, they're, they absorb everything, of course. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that that giving this out yourself grace and then also like letting your kids see that you're struggling a little bit too, is actually really helpful to me in a way because they might not understand what my personal traumas are, but they can see that I am dealing with things and they might be able to go, oh, she's dealing with this and we can learn from this when we are moving forward in our families and all grow together. Yeah. And that struggling, there's not like a taboo on struggling and working through things. Yes. Like, yeah, you don't have okay to put on actively. a happy face all the time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hey, adults have problems too. And I, <laughs> if I have problems, like I can share those. Yeah. I think that's a great point, Megan. Oh my gosh. Tina, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and talking to us tonight. Um, listeners, we've had many a technical difficulty tonight. So thank you, Tina, for uh, working through those with us as well um, to record. Um, it was so nice to have you here. Yeah. Thanks for having me despite everything <laughs> <laughs> we made it we're here we're at the finish line uh so let's talk about what's bringing us joy uh tina what is making you happy this week oh man that's a good question um well today specifically um i have these things called earplugs <laughs> And they're called, an, and they're from this special company called Loop Earplugs. And oh, I've seen those. Yes. So they, they reached out to me about collaborating on social media. And they actually reached out to me around the time my son was born. So I found their email like buried in my inbox. It was embarrassing. But <laughs> I was like, I actually want to do this. So I pulled that I had a baby card. Um, and so they sent me like a bunch of pairs and I've been using them. And today was just a very overstimulating day with baby being inconsolable, dog going crazy, roofers. It was just a lot. So I put it in the earplugs and I just felt so much better. And I could still hear all the chaos, but it was just like the volume had been turned down on life and it really helped. <laughs> they look amazing. I see oh. them. I see them on the TikToks uh, and I'm like, those look pretty dope. So it's nice to hear uh, from a real life person that I know saying that they're awesome. Yeah, well, I'm going to post about them and I have a code, so you can use my code. 
<laughs> I have never heard of them, but I'm sure they will be all over my algorithm now that we have talked about them. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Steffi, what's bringing you joy? Um, so this past weekend when you and I were in St. Louis, we visited this absolutely delightful patisserie. Um, it is a black owned patisserie. They are like a James Beard award winning, um, bakery. I think they're, just nominated. I think they're nominated. nominated this year. Yeah. Okay. So they nominated this year for James Beard award and, uh, it was incredible. Um, and so they had a bunch of the stuff like all in the pastry case. Um, and then they also, but they also had a bunch of like um, cookies and stuff that were like packaged up um, that you could purchase and take with you. And so I obviously bought half of the bakery um, and to, got a bunch of different cookies that I brought home. And so I've been snacking on those this week and they are so delicious and making me very happy. That rugelach is really good. Oh, it's so good. I was I, I was snacking on a piece of, of the Earl Grey shortbread before we recorded. Like, mm. like, I, or I, it, a trip to St. Louis just to visit this patisserie. I will, I'll link to their Instagram in the show description for you guys. Um, if you are anywhere near St. Louis, or if you have plans to visit St. Louis at any point, you have to stop by. Um, they, we went. I think we got there at like, it was like probably like, what, like 10 o'clock by the time uh, we got there? Yeah, I think it was around 10. They yeah, opened it was at 10. And they had quite a line. Um, I mean, it moved, the line moved pretty quickly. Um, and they had like, they had like drinks and stuff too. And they, you know, they had like, um, I think they had like a quiche. And so they had some like not sweet stuff, but they had like breakfast pastries and they had crepe cakes and they had macarons and they had, I mean, so much stuff. So I'll put the link um, in the show description for you guys, because if you're going to be near there, you've got to check them out. It is, I would, it would, I would be in trouble if I lived in St. Louis because I'd be there every freaking weekend. Uh, I don't think you said the name. Uh, that's because I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> it's a uh, patisserie choquette. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. So I was like, I'll link to it because I can't remember off the top of my head what it is. Uh, but there you go. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Megan, what's making you happy? Uh, I would say probably, I mean, our weekend overall in St. Louis was really, really fun. It was a delight. Um, <laughs> it was kind of also a blur because we went a lot of places and we did a lot of like shopping and kind of bopping around into all these little different stores and bakeries and shops and stuff. And by the time I got home, I was like unpacking the car and bringing stuff in. And I was like, what's this bag from? I don't remember. <laughs> I forgot what, we went like, here. <laughs> and we went to the store and I don't remember what I bought at this store. <laughs> it was like, please remember this was on a Sunday that I was unpacking and um we went there on friday so really was Bless not so much hearts. time had passed in between these brains oh man it was a lot but uh yeah we it was really great because um we live in a small town and so there's not a lot of options for a lot of things and so being able to go to 
multiple bookstores and multiple cute little gift shops and multiple bakeries uh was nice and, and also sephora had, <laughs> and also sephora um also we had afghani food for dinner on saturday oh it was so good yes really that good. was because i've never had afghani food before uh because we don't have any afghan restaurants where we live um and yeah and it was like it was quite busy so they I, they do some like let's do some really good business because they were popping um but yeah it was really good I wish we didn't have a lot of time to like sit and like really try a bunch of things we had to go mm-hmm. to see a show um but I you know want to go back another time and be able to like really sit and like try order some more off things, the menu order yeah order a few more yeah. things and you know kind of taste some different things so yeah, yeah if you guys live in an area where you have any afghan restaurants i definitely go check it out um it, it was sort of like um it was it was sort of like uh a little bit of a mixture between like indian food and mediterranean food there was a lot of in there seemed to be a lot of influences from both of those cuisines um on their menu um and then obviously like you know kind of combined into a a whole different cuisine so um if you like Mediterranean food and if you like Indian food I think you would really like Afghani food so yeah I would say on like the Turkish side of Mediterranean not yes yeah yeah, yeah, like Greek yeah yeah yes 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 yeah yeah Yeah. like Turkish and yeah things like that for sure yeah yeah Yeah, it's good yeah it was awesome So next week, we will be sharing some of our top 10 lists. What will they be? Even we don't know yet. So uh, (laughs) come back and join us. Uh, You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on social media at IRSI Podcast. And you can send us an email at I'd rather stay in podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Bye.